0: Welcome to the Peaceworks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God honoring relationships. Welcome back to the Peaceworks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to answer a few questions about the concept of emotional abuse. But before we jump into that content, I would like to take a moment to remind you of PeaceWorks Live. PeaceWorks Live is our annual event, live and in person in Charleston, West Virginia, September 7th and 8th, 2023. And I really believe you're going to want to be there if you can. Uh, PeaceWorks Live is... Uh, Again, our live event, but this year we're going to be focusing on leaders, churches, church-based responses, and we have a fantastic team assembled uh, at a wonderful venue, Bible Center Church, uh, for just a great time this September. So if you uh, would like to join us, uh, there's two options. There's going to be a live stream option and a live and in-person option. I'm just going to tell you, you want to be there in person. Uh, Make the trip to Charleston It's a wonderful city. It's a great location. The hospitality will knock you uh, off your feet and you'll get to learn about church-based responses to domestic abuse from folks who have been in the trenches doing the work for a long time. So please join us at uh, PeaceWorks Live again, September 7th and 8th in Charleston, West Virginia. All right. So today's topic comes from a series of questions. Uh, that have been submitted in various places that I think will be helpful for us to discuss, even though uh, there seems to be a growing resistance, confusion, concern about the concepts. And that's the concept of emotional abuse. So let's just start with kind of a larger scale question, and then we'll narrow it down to a practical question. Question one, is emotional abuse really a category of abuse or is it only based on the experience of the victim? Now, this is quite a uh, conversation lately in the biblical counseling world, in the church world, is, okay, is emotional abuse, for lack of a better term, really abuse or is it too subjective to categorize in in the abuse construct or the abuse uh, framework? Is it too subjective to properly address? And there is some momentum to the idea that, you know, emotional abuse is really based solely on the victim experience and not necessarily on observable um, behavior. And I I would say that I think in in large part, that is probably based on perhaps a a lack of uh, case volume uh, to say that um, emotional abuse is only subjective. It is probably going to be touted uh, primarily by those who haven't done a lot of work in that category. I think in some ways it's going to be based on a little bit of fear. Uh, because we don't want to just categorize everything as abuse. We want to have good categories. And, and we certainly don't want just everyone who has hurt feelings to be considered abused. And so I do understand, I think, the caution. However, I, I would also argue that those who have spent significant time working with victims, and, and I would also, you know, from my own standpoint, say I think if if I could expose biblical counselors, Christian counselors, those in kind of the therapeutic and people-helping realms, uh, to working with groups of batterers or abusers or individuals who are um, either criminal, civil, or even self-reporting, I think that would be among the most eye-opening as you discuss these categories with people who have perpetrated them as they begin to See and recognize those patterns. So let's just deal with the question. Then we'll move on to a practical question and hopefully add some clarity uh, to the discussion. So, is it a category of abuse? Well, traditionally, and by traditionally, I mean within just the last 50 years, this is a new topic for a lot of us as people, just trying to understand victim experiences. And so, some of you who've been around the work for a while, you know that the cycle of abuse was. The most commonly held explanation of victim experiences until um, the late '80s, early '90s, <clears throat> excuse me, when it was somewhat replaced or um, perhaps supplemented by the power and control wheel. And th- these concepts: one, the cycle of abuse was observed by helpers; the power and control wheel was created in conversation with victims, and the. The notion here, the idea here is just to understand the ways in which people are experiencing abuse. And I, I think it's been helpful. The categories help us clarify and communicate. However, you know, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, financial abuse, those terms are really describing the same corrupted, worldly, sinful desires. They're coming from the same heart, from a biblical perspective. And so when we look at kind of the foundational elements of all of these categories that we have created, it really is pride. It is combining that with aspects of coercion, coercive control, which is control designed for outcomes. Um, so that pride and entitlement, that use of coercive control, and then some semblance of power, which we also get some pushback on this, but I do think that bad behavior tied with authority and power creates, um, much more problematic outcomes than just bad behavior. And let let me try to give you an example of that. Using, emotional abuse. So emotional abuse really isn't intended to be one arrow in the quiver. It's not like saying, well, I'm an emotional abuser. No, a, a, an individual would be abusive and emotional abuse would be one of the ways we would describe their tactics. They they tend to use tactics that fall in that category just to help us understand And typically with emotional abuse, we're talking about aspects of removing someone's dignity, their personhood, reshaping their identity through use of tactics like ridicule, demeaning, demanding, um, aspects of crazy making or gaslighting, um, these ideas of keeping our partner or our child unsettled so that they can't trust their perceptions or their feelings. And emotional abuse is just one of the ways we've tried to categorize that. But at the heart of it, the exact same thing that motivates uh, physical abuse. I want you to do what I want. Why? Because I'm full of pride and entitlement, right? So I'm going to try to manipulate you, coerce you, force you, into patterns of behavior that i tolerate or desire at this moment or i'm simply going to punish you because i sit on this throne this this i am the god of this universe and so i use physical means to do that or i use financial means to do that you know i use the the stick or the carrot right i either you know beat you into submission or manipulate you into submission using my power to coerce you into conformity. And some of, the, some of the ways we've observed that with things like ridicule, name calling, um, uh, challenging integrity, gaslighting, crazy making, those just kind of fall into this term that people use called emotional abuse. So to answer the question, is emotional abuse a category of abuse or is it only the experience of the victim? It, it is a category that we use to describe coercive control. Is it somewhat subjective? Sure. There has to be some subjectivity. However, I want to guard against this idea of everyone who gets their feelings hurt is emotionally abused, and everyone who hurts someone's feelings is an emotional abuser, right? Because that's not how those of us in the work talk about those terms. In fact, we're still looking for all of the same things that we look for uh, in coercive control, In fact, I don't even start with concepts of, are you being emotionally abused? That's not really a term that I would use. Or are you emotionally abusing your wife? I tend to talk about what we want, what we do, and then how that impacts our partner. Or what we've experienced um, based on our uh, relationship to our partner, the impact that that has had on us and how we might categorize that. So... I don't typically use the term, well, you're emotionally abused or you're an emotionally abuser. That's really not how most of us do the work. So is it a category? Yeah, it's a category, a concept that we use to help us understand the ways in which tactics are being performed because I don't want to address somebody who's been demeaning, demolishing, destroying their their partner. All right, let's just say I'm working with a husband whose partner is just, she's just done. She's just burnt toast. She's a baked potato. It is just done with the torment, all right? And in our discussions, I've uncovered um, aspects of isolation and ways in which he has isolated her from family, friends, and help. I've seen sexual coercion as part of their relationship, and I've seen ridicule um, as part of, and parcel of their relationship, patterns of their relationship. So would I simply say that her experience of the ridicule is subjective? Not in that case, because I I would see a pattern in which coercion and control is part of his MO towards her. His view of her value, her personhood, being made the image of God, those are all corrupted by pride and entitlement. (coughs) Excuse me. That are bleeding out in a variety of ways, including ways that affect her emotionally. Here's the example I mentioned earlier, because I think that I think at least I hope this might help. So, um, is it subjective, somewhat, but it's also um, measurable. And and here's the here's the measurable piece. A few years ago, I personally was attacked online, not physically attacked. Not um, financially attacked, not but I was personally attacked. And it wasn't it wasn't simply a matter of hurt feelings, but it also wasn't a matter of abuse. And I'll tell you why I came to that conclusion. So it wasn't um, it, it was kind of what people would call trolling. So someone had kind of trolled me online. It wasn't just a simple comment or a simple Twitter post. It wasn't um, a blog comment, but it was a very lengthy and significant attack on my work and my character. I believe that the intention was to coerce me through intimidation to toe the party line, or I'll, or I'll, or my tribe will continue to defame you. However. Even though those basic elements were present, what wasn't present was any real threat. At the end of the day, and this is why I didn't categorize it as abusive, I wasn't intimidated. I wasn't fearful. I wasn't scared. This was the extent of that person's power. I have no relationship with them. They have no authority over me. There's no recourse for me to reject their demands. So to to say I will not submit to your demands cost me nothing, right? So there was no real coercive power behind all of that ridicule. Did it hurt? Sure. Did it have any consequences? No. Had I lost anything? No. Was there any agency that was reduced? No. And that's one of those big differences between people who are attempting to hurt our feelings versus people who are attempting to control us. And, and I think that's the area where some of us in pastoral ministry take a story like mine and go, see, you recognize that it is subjective. There was nothing that person could do to really hurt you. However, I wasn't married to that person. That person wasn't my boss. That person wasn't a law enforcement officer. That person wasn't a uh, military personnel with a firearm. That person had no power to grant any weight to their ridicule. And I think that's pretty essential. In fact, when we started developing as a culture these categories just to help us understand the tactics and the dynamics of what people are experiencing, again, in the context of coercive control, we initially said, and, and I think this is still somewhat true. That what empowers emotional abuse, economic abuse, um, uh, manipulation, isolation, what empowers them to be coercive and controlling is the threat of physical or sexual violence. That that someone can do great harm to you. Uh, This is why, let's go back to, I, I mentioned law enforcement a second ago. When a law enforcement officer is either un, you know, not trained well or their pride is greater than their training and responsibility, they can be a incredibly dangerous person to the, the public and the community. And we as citizens and as agencies should hold them accountable if they abuse their power against citizens. And I think that's a great example of abuse because... A law enforcement officer, for instance, is supposed to be on your side. But sometimes, we talk about the bad apples, right? Sometimes the bad apple scenario comes along, and we can't defend that person. We should be holding that person accountable. Uh, and the pressure and the pain and the um, coercion that accompanies that power is real. So in married relationships, I think that's what distinguishes um that weight for maybe what we as pastors experience when we get threatened by a parishioner, right? So a parishioner, you know, threatens to leave the church and take their money with them or unless I start, you know, towing the party line as it were. Well, that's a real amount of pressure that hurts, but let's be honest. If I have real clarity, God has more money than that person, I'm really not bound by that. And we tend to use those examples to say, see, I can be courageous, a victim can be courageous, but I'm not married to that man. I don't have the social or the spiritual um, pressure to remain married to that man uh, and allow him to continue to ridicule me, to threaten me, or to coerce me. And I do think that's an important piece, an important conversation to have. And if you do this work long enough and you really see emotional coercion, um, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And that, that goes to the second question. So I do want to pivot <clears throat> because this is a, a question that I get quite a bit. So the first question, is emotional abuse really a category of abuse or just subjective? Every aspect begins subjectively, but you can see observable, measurable, repeatable aspects of coercion and control that take the form of what we his, historically called emotional abuse. The second question, I don't understand, quote, emotional abuse. How can someone else abuse your emotions? This is actually quite a common question, and I think what's happening is someone is reading the title literally, right? Emotional abuse, that means I abuse your love, and I abuse your, excuse me, I abuse your sadness, and I abuse your, Anger and it's it's almost like a Pixar movie, right? Where I'm I'm actually beating up those little elements of your emotions. And and I would really caution us just to step back and remember, as we said in the first half of the podcast, you know, emotional abuses is just a way, a concept that we're using to help clarify what we're observing or what we're experiencing from another individual. Remember, so an individual with power to control can use our emotions against us and how we feel can be dictated to us. That's one concept, right? So how can you abuse emotions? Well, I can threaten you to express your emotions a way that I approve of. Or I can use your emotional response against you. I actually think uh, abusive people who threaten suicide uh, do this all the time because why is the threat of suicide effective in coercively controlling our partners? It's because our partners love us. If our partners were indifferent towards us or they actually hated us, then a threat of suicide might not motivate them at all. But it works because the abusive person knows that you love them. Uh, Same thing with the kids. So I... I um abuse your kids or I use the kids. Um why do parents um why do mothers not intervene? Well, perhaps I'm threatening the kids in some way or to take the kids away or to keep the kids locked up in a in a custody battle. Well, what what am I attacking and using if not your emotions? So, yes, I I understand that you can't remove like a piece of your your heart and mind, and physically attack it. However, I can target that and then use that to coercively control you. And um, trust is, is one, whether we call that emotion or not, but trust, vulnerability. When we talk about gaslighting and crazy making, which are typically put in the psychological abuse category, but again, coercive control, it's all the same thing. What am I actually doing? By by denying your reality, by challenging your thinking all the time, by having you possess these self-doubts, I'm using your trust against you. I'm weaponizing aspects of trust and vulnerability. I don't know. Maybe we want to, maybe we have such an aversion to the word emotion that we just want to categorize everything. I personally don't have time to just, write that I mean it's or to to categorize it that way I do think the concept of emotional abuse works not because I want to create emotional abuse victims or emotional abusers that that's not how this works but I'm simply trying to clarify the ways in which we're suffering and the ways in which we're causing harm so let me wrap up this way because this is this is probably something that needs to be a three-hour discussion, not just a 20-minute podcast. But for the sake of, of argument, if, if you have hurt your partner's feelings and you quickly recognize that, you quickly repent of that, and you attempt to remove that from your behavior, it's probably not abuse. But if you are known as a person whose anger, behavior, demeaning language, destructive tone uh, is commonplace in your home, and you really don't care about the ramifications, to you restoration is about your partner getting in line as quickly as possible, and you experiencing that faux piece of quiet respect, that may be a problem. Because the healthy relationships recognize the demeaning and destruction. They respond to their partners when they say, I don't like that. They respond to friends and neighbors and church members who say, I don't appreciate that. And they try to improve the lives of those around them by treating them with respect rather than using them. In categories and concepts of emotional abuse, it returns to the idea of coercion, control, threat, and fear. I use what power I have, right, to keep you in control or control outcomes or control situations or control circumstances. And using ridicule and demeaning um, is just a couple of the ways. That we try to understand that through this concept of what we call emotional abuse. So, I hope that is helpful. I hope that adds a little bit of clarity. My prayer is it's not even more confusing. Um, but it is a a concept that I think we should keep in our vocabulary. I think it's something we should be able to dialogue about. Um, if you want to know more about that, um, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to dialogue here at Peaceworks. We're certainly going to talk about that some at Peaceworks Live. And uh, some of the concepts of Uh, how that appears biblically, whether it is Old Testament stories like Nabal, uh, whether it's New Testament concepts like what we find in Ephesians 5 and how we use our words, um, or even concepts of love and sacrifice through some of the passages that we read about marriage like Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, and 1 Peter 3. So uh, a lot of conversation can take place here. Uh, A lot of Uh, conversations can take place about all the concepts. uh, But what we're really trying to address is the hearts of people uh, who use aspects of power and authority to coerce and control others by whatever means necessary, and instead call them to repentance and the heart of God uh, seen in the gospel and the person of Jesus. Well, thank you again for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast. We appreciate everyone uh, who listens in. Uh, please consider joining us once again at PeaceWorks Live. You can find out more about that at chrismoles.org. Until next time, guys, God bless.